open it to 1 Peter chapter 2. Yeah, amen. We're going to keep studying along in the book of Peter. Awesome. So last week we talked about love unfeigned. And I just, uh, if you back up with me just for a little bit, um, that we're to have unfeigned love for one another. And he talks about that the reason for that is because we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. And then he begins to talk about the power of the word. And I just want you to follow along with me here in verse 24 of chapter uh, 1 of First Peter, because he says, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower, as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Then Peter, he shifts gears out of this and he begins to talk about the responsibility of those who have been born again and talks about that, look, you've received this gospel, you've received this word. And so if you look at verse one with me, he says, therefore, and somebody one time said, when there's a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Therefore, laying aside all malice, you say, what's malice, pastor? Malice is the intent to do harm, okay? Malice is that in our heart, we are intending to hurt someone. And uh, that can happen both physically and emotionally. So he said, laying aside all malice, any intent to do harm, all deceitfulness, all hypocrisy, all envy. It's interesting, this word envy. Um, this is a really... Uh, if you do a study in the Greek on this word, it actually is a reference to those who envy those who are being blessed. So if somebody gets something and you're upset that you didn't get something too, then that's envy, okay? And he's saying this, it's this kind of envy. And as a believer, we should, when someone gets blessed, we should what? Rejoice, right? We say, wow, awesome. Somebody comes into church and says, Oh man, I got, I got blessed with $10,000. Glory to good. That's awesome. Hope you're going to tithe on that. Amen. Right? But that, but, but you know, the, the response of the believer is that's, we bought a new house. Awesome. That's great. That's tremendous. We're so happy for you. But sometimes what happens even with God's people is, is that somebody gets blessed and we hear about it and we're like, oh, well, I didn't get blessed like that. They must, you know. And then you got people running around going, I'm God's favorite child. And then people start thinking, well, maybe they are God's favorite child. Well, the truth is, is that God blesses all his children. Amen. God blesses all of his children and he's willing to bless all his children. And so we should not have envy. We shouldn't let something get in the way. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. We shouldn't let something get in the way and become a blessing blocker. Become a blessing blocker. So he goes on, he says, look, set aside envy and all evil, evil speaking. Boy, I'll tell you, that's a big list, isn't it? And he says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you can grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So he says, look, here, I want you to do this. I want you to lay all this stuff aside and I want you to receive this pure, unadulterated uh, word of God. So there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about this morning about how that you and I develop a desire for the truth of God's word. 
for the truth of God's word. Now, I'd love to tell you that when you become born again, you love to hear God's word, but that's not necessarily true. You know, when I became a Christian follower of Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, I, I can't tell you that I had a desire to read the Bible. I had all my reasons to, to not read the Bible. Um, I wanted to serve God. I wanted to live for God. But I had all kinds of stuff that I was doing in my life. You know, many of you know my testimony that I was still an alcoholic while I was and battling with drugs while I was after I received Christ. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of which one time that I received Christ that was the time that it actually took um, because there was, there was a day that actually something did change inside my heart. Um, but, you know, I can't tell you that I love to hear the word, that I wanted to study the Bible. In fact, my feeling was the Bible was too hard to understand. I carried a Bible. I had a Bible, brought a Bible to church with me. Um, you know, I'd crack it open once in a while. I knew no Bible verses, um, you know, after I became a believer. I, and I knew I was going into the ministry, and I still didn't know any Bible verses. Um, but I loved the Lord. But I lived defeated. I lived defeated in my life. And so what I had to do is, is that I had to change some of my understanding about God's Word. That God's Word just isn't a bunch of words that it's God's word, that it's God speaking to me, and that, as Jesus said, the words that I speak to you in the book of John, he said, they are spirit and they are life. They carry within them the very life of God because they carry within them the intent of God. Uh, Jesus talked about the word being the seed, and you've heard me share a little bit of this before. You know, when you take a kernel of corn and you look at that kernel of corn, all you see is a kernel of corn, but inside that is the DNA of that corn that makes it produce corn. Also inside that kernel of corn is the, is the energy or the sugar that's necessary for that kernel of corn to produce what it needs to produce. When you plant corn, you know, Sharon and I, we planted four rows of corn this year in our garden and I think four rows of beans, right? And you know what? Lo and behold, corn's coming up. We didn't find any beans over in the corn rows. And we didn't find any corn over in the bean rows. Why? Because the DNA, the nature, the divine, the, the divine intent of that seed. Everybody understand what I'm saying? God designed the DNA of that seed. That seed is divinely designed that when it is put in the ground, 100% of the time, the only thing you're going to get out of that seed is a, is a corn stalk and other corn. So the word is the same way. The word of God carries, with, carries God's divine intent. You know, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says that the word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing and piercing the sun of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word that God has given to us, that's what I had to discover, was it wasn't just a book full of information about God, it's a book full of God. It's a book where God is revealing his heart, his intent, his DNA to you and I. How do we know the DNA of God? Not just because we go to church. We know the DNA of God, DNA of God, because we're planting the seed of God's word into our life. And as we do, you're 100% of the time guaranteed to produce a harvest of whatever that is that you're planting in your heart. Your heart's an amazing thing. It grows what you put into it. And, now listen, and it grows what you let grow. Well, that's good, Pastor. That's really good. It does. 
100% of the time. So what we have to recognize in, in understanding about God's word is, is that we have to remember that God's word is our source of life. You know, just like the milk is for the baby, the, that is the source of life for that baby. It, it is what brings life to it. It's what keeps it alive. We have baby goats and baby sheep, and they, they're about to be weaned, some of them, but right when they were born, that was it for them. They couldn't, they, they needed mama, right? They needed mama's milk to live. See, I wonder if that's our attitude about God. I need God's word to live. I'm desperate. And that's why he says, look, as, as, you, as you talk about, as you think about this word, he says, look, as newborn babes, want the, you desire should want this pure milk of the word of God in your life. You should want that, that DNA, that, that, that transmission of energy and strength that comes through the milk of the word of God into our lives to help us. We have to remember that it is our source. Isaiah 55 uh, verses 9, 10, and 11 says, God speaking said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My, your, your, my ways are not your ways. He says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways from your ways. And you know, as, as Christians, we could live our whole life thinking that way. Well, you just can't know God's ways. You can't know God's will. You know, um, God, uh, like people will say, God works in mysterious ways, which is actually not a Bible verse. It's not a Bible verse. It was a song that somebody wrote, but it's one of the most quoted things by God's people saying, well, you know, you just don't know. God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. That's out of a song, folks. That is not actually a Bible verse. That's good preaching, Pastor. I know I'm messing with your doctrine, all right? I, but, but look, we can know the ways of God. But the only way we can know the way of God is by taking from the word of God, to draw from the DNA of God. Now, does God do things that we don't understand? Yes, absolutely. But the believer, the Christian, has the right to know the plan of God for their life, for their future, amen, and about their past. Glory to God, amen. So we, as we, as God's people, we should desire that word in our lives. Here's why. Because he said, look, my ways are not your ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways from your ways. My thoughts from your thoughts. Everybody agree with that. Amen. But remember what Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does God say in verses 10 and 11? He says, look, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, this is out of Isaiah 55, and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud to give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. He says, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void. And now I love the next part of this. It will accomplish what I desire. Why? Because it carries my DNA within it. Amen. It will accomplish what I desire. And here's the last part of it. And it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. We've got to remember that the word is our life source. The words that Jesus said he spoke, they are spirit and they are life for you and I. But here's a problem, a dilemma that we deal with in this. Okay, so this is going to, get a little, this is going to be real interesting. Because he says... Get rid of all this other stuff and then receive it. So you got to make a trade with God. You have to get rid of stuff so you can 
receive. You have to get rid of stuff so you can receive. Now, here's the thing. And I think this is where a trap a lot of us as Christians can fall into. We want God to get rid of stuff. We want God to get rid of it. We, in fact, ask him to get rid of it, right? Get rid of it. Get rid of this problem in my, you know, I prayed to God. Dear Lord, I prayed to God so many times. Lord, I don't want to be an alcoholic. God, please take the alcohol away. Please, God. Please, Lord. Please don't, please, I prayed every prayer you could pray about drugs and alcohol. Please, God, take, make me that I don't, when I, drink, when I drink, I feel sick from, I heard that was a way you could pray. You know, Lord, help me that I don't want to, I don't, and, and, and you know what? I prayed and I prayed and I asked God and I pleaded with God and I asked God and I prayed and I came home drunk many nights praying to God, saying, God, I don't want to be this way anymore. God, please help me take this away, you know, and you know what? He didn't. Because it's not, jobs, it's not God's job to repent of your sin. It's God's job to forgive your sin. And see, what we do is we get them backwards. We want God to take care of the problem. I mean, we know people like that have been involved in terrible perversion in their life and are still involved in it. Come to our altar, and this is the way they prayed. They said, I asked God to take this away from my life. And he didn't take it away, so now I have to believe that's what God wants for me. Here's why. God doesn't take perversion away from your life. Maybe I better get a different sermon out. No, man, you're responsible for your perversion. You're responsible for your sin. You're responsible for those things that are not right. That's why he said, look, he says right here, he says, therefore, lay it aside, get rid of it, get rid of the hypocrisy, get rid of the evil speaking, get rid of all this stuff. And as then as newborn babes, you're able, you are then able to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Listen to this out of James chapter one. If you're writing these verses down, this is verse 21. You know, James was a pretty tough guy. He's the brother of the Lord Jesus. And uh, there's more commands in the book of James than any other New Testament book, any other uh, epistle. In verse 21, he says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Notice the progression here. What, who lays aside? You do. Then you receive. Now you can receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Then you're not just a doer, or excuse me, he says, then you'll be a doer of the word and not a hearer, only deceiving yourself. So when we lay things aside, you know, look, I'm not saying that, you know, that you just get up one day, like we'll take my alcohol situation, and you say, okay, God, I'm laying aside alcohol. No, it's, and it, and say, well, I'm going to be okay now. Well, I know that's not true because I already did that a bunch of times. I know what I had to do was every day of every hour of every minute and every temptation say, no, 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 no. God, give me the strength to say no. But God is not going to say no for me. 
And the way that I get the strength is because I said no to this and I'm saying yes to this, that now I can receive the word. And as I, what I did is I started studying the Bible and digging into the word of God. And as I did, all of a sudden I noticed in my life I didn't have the desire anymore. See, the problem with your sinfulness is, is that you like it too much. Well, I need to quit overeating. I just got to quit overeating. I hate it that I overeat. I hate that I got, you know, blah, 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 blah. We all say that kind of stuff, right? And it could be overeating. It could be drunkenness. It could be, you know, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. But when they're taken to excesses, and they are. And I've met very few people that can manage it. So, you know, when we start, you know, we, a piece of pie is not going to kill you. But a whole pie every day will. Would you agree with that? Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you right now. Right? <laughs> what, do you, what do you have to do? How do, you, how do you break that cycle in your life? You have to be responsible for it. I'm not going to get into the depths of this, but a neurological brain change, transformation, uh, this is what the experts say. You will not, you will not, you will not change until you take ownership of your problem. That's the first thing you got to do. Because as long as you blame someone else or something, well, my mama, you know, she, she, you know, mama was big and she didn't feed us right and we ate biscuits and gravy every morning and, you know, and, and I just, you know, and yeah, it is good stuff. See, if you say, well, you know, my family has a history of, you know, I could have said that with alcoholism. My family has a history. And, and you know what? That may be true. But it will never stop in your life until you say, I have a problem. That's why AA has you the first thing they have you do. Hi, my name is Rick. I'm alcoholic. Why? Because what are you doing? You're saying, I have a problem. Because we can't, nobody can get help as long as they say, I have a problem. See, when you tell God to fix your problem, you're saying, God, I don't have a problem. God, you have a problem. And when you tell God it's his problem to fix, then guess what? You're going to keep having the same problem. You got to take ownership of the problem and say, I have a problem. And I'm using those because we're all, you know, we're familiar with those kinds of things. I mean, I could talk about lying. I could talk about unforgiveness, which is a sin. And it won't go away. You know, you have anger issues. You, gotta, you won't ever get over those anger issues until you say, I have an anger problem. God, I need help. I'm going to lay this anger aside. Help me, Lord God, as I set this aside, as I determine I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. If you're a gossip, that's a sin. Then zero amens, just for the record on that. But it is. If you can't help yourself to say bad stuff about people and pass things along, look, that's, a, that's sinful. That's not your place to do that. <laughs> because we need to receive the word that will change our lives. You know, um, as, we, as we make a determination, you know, like here's a, here's a great... Here's a, here's a great example of this. All right. 
So appetite, we talk about appetite. If you eat sugar every day, right? Like if I gave you a spoonful of sugar and then I said to you, now I want you to eat this orange. Let me ask you a question. Will the orange taste sweet or will it taste bitter? It's going to taste bitter. Why? Because the sugar, which is made unnatural to you and I, it does something to our system that it totally sets us into a place that now what is good for us is we can, it tastes bad to us, okay? See, when you and I, it, what we have to determine is, now watch, if you set the sugar aside, just do it for two or three days, don't eat any sugar, and then you pick up a, an orange and you eat that orange, guess what that orange tastes like? It's sweet to us. Why is that? Because your appetites can change. Your appetites can change. You know, when, you, when, we, when, in our, we, when, we tre- when we train ourselves to have bad appetites, and I, I've had the worst. I've, I'm, not getting, I'm not standing up here in judgment. I'm just revealing myself here to you guys, my, my heart about this. You will not change as long as you keep pumping the sugar in and wanting the orange to taste better. The sugar is our sin. The orange is the word. The word is not going to taste good to us until we lay aside what's making it taste bad in our lives. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you. What God asks us to do is to set aside the actions and the thoughts, listen to this, that separate us from his plan and provision in our lives. He asks us to set aside, to set to set aside those things, those actions and thoughts that separate us from God's plan and provision. I, uh, I, I just encourage you with this, this idea. This is out of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is a law of sin and death, and there is a law of spirit and life, okay? Now, you're probably, some, most of you are probably familiar with those verses. And when we think about sin and death, we think about, you know, well, if you commit sin... You go to hell, you know, and death. And, but here's the, th- and the law of spirit in life. You get eternal life. But I want you to think about this with me just for a minute. Death is separation, right? Death is when your spirit, you can't live on earth without your body right now. Because your body comes from the earth, so it has right to be here on the earth. Separate your body from your spirit, and what happens? You're going to go someplace where spirits go. You don't stay here on the earth. Okay, there are no ghosts wandering around on the earth. Okay, just, just so you know that, all right? So there are demons that are here. There are angels that are here, but there are no spirits of men walking around on the earth. Now, your body, so death is a separation. When you leave your body, you'll, your body will be considered dead. Why? Because you're separated. Man was considered dead to God not because he didn't exist, but because he was separated from God. He was separated. So let's take that to the next level. There is a law of sin and death. What sin does in our life is it separates us from God. Not because God moves, because we move. So God says, walk in love even as Christ has you know, loved you. You know, He tells us to forgive. 
We make a choice in our lives. We're like, well, I'm not doing that. What does the Bible tell us ends up happening? When we make that choice in our life, when we, when we give in to that unforgiveness and we decide that we're going to walk in that, it doesn't stay unforgiveness. It turns into bitterness. Bitterness then turns into us trying to get other people to be unforgiving with us towards whatever has happened. It creates, it, it escalates itself. That's just what's happening naturally. Spiritually, what we are doing is distancing ourselves from light and growing closer to the darkness. That's why Jesus said, here come the tormentors because you don't forgive. It wasn't that he's like, okay, I've assigned tormentors to torment you. No, he's saying, look, if you're going to move from the light back into the darkness, darkness will do what darkness does. And here come the tormentors. But there's a law of spirit in life too. And the law of spirit is, is that as we receive what the word says into our life, what God's word is, we desire that in our lives, it creates life. What is life? Life is, life is fulfillment. Life is joining together. Life is completion. Life is all those things, those attributes coming together in experience. Not separation, but joining together of life. That's what life looks like. It's, it's, it's growth. It's productivity. That's all life. Living things produce. They do. Living things produce. So, what we have to recognize is that God is telling us, look, you got to lay aside the actions. you got to lay aside the thoughts that are separating you from my plan and my provision for your life. God forgives our sin, but the repentance is on us. The repentance is on us. I read, this, uh, I read this story this week about this uh, young man. He was uh, in trouble in school, had a lot of problems, and uh, I mean, big-time problems. And uh, his mother, he was a poor student, below average, you know, Ds and Fs. And uh, his mom said, look, I want you to take the SAT, which is your junior year, I think it is. So he didn't want to do it, but he said, all right, Mom, I'll take the SAT. Now, he goes in, he takes the SAT, and I don't know how many, how many weeks it takes to get back. It takes a couple weeks, right? Yeah, it takes a while, all right? So let's say it takes a month, two months for it to come back. He gets his SAT back. Now, the way they do the SAT is 800 of it, you get 800 points. If you got a 800 points for verbal, and you get 800 points for math, okay? So a total of 1,600 points. Here, this below-average student who's struggling through school, in and out of trouble, he gets his test score back, and it says he got a 1480 on it, on his SAT. A 1480 out of 1600, okay? Now, I'd say that probably puts you in the top 5% of people in the world, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing. Well, his mom, you knowing who he is, she said, all right, did you cheat? You must have... Well, why wouldn't she think that? He's a poor student. What, did you cheat? And he goes... No, Mom, he said, I tried to, but they put all our desks separate, and they wouldn't let us, I couldn't look at anybody else's papers. And he said, so no, that's my score. So he gets this 1480, and he realizes, now listen to this, he realizes that he is a lot smarter than he has been living. Okay? So what he does is, is that he starts, because he got a 1480, he starts thinking, well, look, I'm pretty smart. 
I'm going to start sitting in the front of the class instead of the back of the class. I'm actually going to start going to class. I'm going to start doing the homework. And so he, what ends up happening is his senior year, he gets straight A's. Ends up going to college. Now he starts out at a, a local community college, does really good, and then he ends up at an Ivy League college. And he develops this absolutely incredible career, because all because he got a 1480 on his SAT. A kid that was failing miserably. Now watch this. This is so powerful. He goes on. He is super successful. Starts a business company. He's making all kinds of money. He's doing. He's super successful in everything he does. Ten years later, one of the universities, I believe it was Providence, they come in and they review all the SAT scores and go through, you know, just making sure how things are all working. And they find out that three scores were sent out to the wrong people. And they find this kid's score, and he didn't get a 1480, he actually got a 780. And this is what he said. You think I'm successful because I got a 1480 on that test? He said, the truth is, I became successful the day I believed I got a 1480 on that test. Now, here's my, here's my point with this. God says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. God said you shall in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is the day of Pentecost today, celebration. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in all the world, you'll, to, even to the uttermost part of the earth. God says in his word that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything you could ask or think according to his power that works in you. Listen, friend, you're missing it. That's your 1480 on your test right there. You didn't even have to take the test. You passed already, and God gave you a better grade than you're giving yourself. Now, what we as God's people got to do is we got to lay aside our old self and say, I'm not going to be that guy, that person anymore, and I'm going to choose to be this higher living person that God has declared that I can be. And the day that you believe that, you may hear it, you may even think it, but you're not going to believe it until you, until you are able to say, I am this today. I am this person. I, I receive this milk of God's word. I desire nothing more than to know what God says about me. I don't care what mama said about me. I don't care what my teacher said about me. My coach said about me. My buddies all said about me. I care what did God say. And God said you got a 1480 on that test. And it's time for you to start living like you got a 1480 instead of living down. Your possibilities and capabilities inside of you are far greater than what anybody around you knows. But there's a God in heaven who sits on the throne who knows exactly what he purchased for you, knows exactly what he wants you to be able to become, and knows you can do this as long as you will believe it. But he can't believe for you. He cannot believe for you. Just like he can't repent for you, he can't believe for you. He knows what he said. You and I, we have to take that step. We have to believe in what he has said. Hallelujah. You know, the way that you view things in life can, is so powerful. The way that you view you, you view your life. But you've got to lay aside the wrong things. And you've got to take on the new things. This is a true story. I, this blew me away when I heard this. 
And there was a, a several men that were working on the railroad on the boxcars that were on the railroad. And one of them was a refrigerated car. And, uh, you know, was kept down, the temperature was kept down into the, you know, into the below freezing to keep everything on there cold. And he walked into the refrigerated car. And while he's in the refrigerated car, the door shut while he was in there. And he starts beating on the door, you know, and it's pretty, very insulated. Nobody can hear him. And he can't get the door open. And he starts realizing to himself that he'll never get out of this frozen, this boxed-in car that he's in. And so while he's in that car, he pulls out a piece of paper out of his pocket and he starts thinking, well, since I'm going to die in here, I'm going to start writing my last thoughts down. And so he starts writing on this piece of paper with his hands shaking and he writes down, I'm going to die today because I'm locked in this car. There's no way to get out. I'm going to freeze to death. And he goes on and on and he keeps writing all these things until eventually the pen trails off the paper and he dies. They find him several days later. What they find is when they open the boxcars, this dead man who did not realize that the refrigerator system on that boxcar was broken and the temperature inside the boxcar was only 57 degrees. But what he had done is he had convinced himself that he was going to die. See how powerful the way you think is? Now let's throw God's word in there what God says about you, who backs up everything that he says and says, I'm not a man that I can lie, who backs up everything that he says and says, look, I can do exceeding abundantly above everything you can ask or think. This God that speaks all those things, and here you are sitting in the little boxcar of your life when you could be living on in joy and enjoying the ice cream on the boxcar or whatever else is in there, and instead we're sitting in there thinking about dying. Hallelujah. Somebody one time said that, and this isn't my quote, so don't be mad at me, but men die at 75, but they died way before 75 ever got here. Their dreams died. Their life died. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I hope you're not going to be one of those men or those women that you just give up on life and go, well, it is what it is, and it'll always be this way because it doesn't have to be that way. Because, look, if you and I, we can come to the God uh, who forgives our sin, and we can take responsibility and we can say, Lord, I repent of this in my life. I set this aside. I'm not going to be like this. I'm done with alcohol. I'm done with drugs. I'm done with, you know what? Sometimes, the peop- Sometimes it's people you've got to get rid of in your life. It's just getting people out of your life. This is a proven fact. They did a study on this. Um, uh, is everybody okay? The hot dogs aren't done, so just hang on, okay? I know they're not done. They just started them. <laughs> it's a it's a proven fact that if you have a if you think negative in your life that if you think negative that it will make a situation four to seven times worse than what it is okay so like okay this last week what a week for temperature right so it's hot i mean it's hot and it's humid and so what happens is is that we feel the heat and and if we have a negative if we're you know if we're like, oh, man, you know, you're inside, we're thinking, oh, I, just, I hate the heat. I just, the heat, it's just so, oh, my gosh, the heat, oh, oh, yeah, all right. If you speak it, it goes from four to seven times worse to another ten. It goes ten times worse by saying it. So now you walk around saying, I hate the heat. 
Here's what you're doing. You're making yourself miserable. And probably everybody around you too, right? See, a situation that didn't have to be negative became negative. I'm thinking back about the polar vortex two years ago. Or you, when was it? Yeah. Oh, man, wasn't that bad? And you know, we're out on that farm. We got to go out and slap the hog, and we got to go take care of the goat, and we got to feed the chickens, and, you know, and it's cold. My long johns had long johns on. I mean, it was cold. <laughs> and we walk out there, and it's freezing. And I'm going to tell you what, that warm day last week, yeah. I thought I'd have taken that warm day over that day yeah. any day. It's all perspective, isn't it? It's all perspective. But see, then when you speak it, when you start talking about it, you start saying, well, I have this problem. I hate, you know, I can't forgive. I had met a, talked to one woman. She said, I can't forgive. I just can't forgive him. I can't forgive him. I can't. I said, well, then you're going to be tormented all your life because of this. Well, I can't. You don't understand what they did. I said, look, I get it's bad. They did something bad. But what good does that do you and your life holding on to the, well, you know, I just, I, you know what? When it came down to it, she didn't know how to live without it. She'd lived with it for so long, it was like a close friend to her. I said, look, you will never have victory. I could quote every Bible verse in the world to you about forgiveness, but until you make the choice that you're done with this, you will keep suffering with it. We can throw Bible verse after Bible verse. You know, they, they did a service uh, one time. They said uh, it was a certain addiction people were dealing with. And they said, now listen, we want all of you that are dealing with this addiction, we want you to come to the altar. We want to we pray with you, okay? And so all these people, they line up. I mean, and, you know, they're, they're, they're like, oh, I mean, oh, this addiction. I, I just want to be free from this addiction. And this was the first question he asked, okay? He said, now, I want to ask all of you up here, how many of you love the addiction you have? He said, well, go sit down. Because as long as you love it, we can't get rid of it. We can't get rid of it. People are like, well, I came up here to get set free. No, you didn't. You didn't come up to get set free. You came up to get, you want God to not only forgive what's going on, you want him to repent for what's going on. And all that's on you. Change comes from you. You change. God meets you in the change. And then supernatural power is released. You get rid of the negative attitude. And watch what happens to your life. Now you can receive the inflow of his word into your life. That is able to save your soul. The sincere milk. See, it's, it's like a song I was listening to yesterday. Some of you might remember it. More of you. And um, I like the, some of the older songs. You know, I'm, I'm just one of those. My music's very eclectic. Sharon will tell you, you know, she'll hear me playing so-and-so in my office. And she's like, why are you listening because it speaks to me. Amen. I don't listen to negative doubt and unbelief stuff. I mean, but more of you. Of worldly things. I've had a few. But Lord, what I need is more of you. I need more of you. But we're never going to get to that place for more of him. As long as we're trading off with other stuff in our lives. We have to lay it down. And that's our job. Let's all stand.
I'm going to ask if you bow your heads with me just for a moment here and uh, just not looking around. This is a private moment for God's people. We do not have a camera on you. It's on me, so nobody can see this. This is a very private moment for you. So if you would respect this, if you would just be in a prayerful attitude with me right now. But if you would, and, and, and so here's what I want to ask you today. If you'd say, look, Pastor, I'm, I hear you what you're saying today. And I realize there's something I've got to let go of. This is something I've got to let go of. And so uh, if you would say that's, that's you today while heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask if you just lift a hand up. You can put it right back down. Thank you. All over the, thank you. All over the building. You say, I got something. I, you know, it could be unforgiveness. Thank you in the back. All over the building. Yep, folks everywhere. Good, 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 good. Now do that right now before the Lord. And I mean, do it from your heart. Do it. I don't have to lead you in a prayer for this. This is between, this is a choice you're making and you're telling God, look, God, with your help and your ability today, I'm setting this thing aside. I'm laying this, you know, I'm putting this aside. I'm putting this addiction aside. I'm putting aside this perversion in my life. I'm putting this aside, Lord. I'm putting away this bad attitude, this negativity. I'm setting it aside, Lord. Hallelujah. You do that. You do that before him right now. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I ask you, those who are online, Lord God, who are doing the very same thing, Lord, who know in their own heart, Lord, that there are things that, that are, they, they can't, they're like chains that have held them back and shackled them down. And they've been able to move a little bit, but they only get so far and... Bang, it's got them again. Pulls them back. But God, I thank you. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, that as we make the decision that no more chains. God, that you break every chain, that you break every, Lord, that it becomes so broken it won't even work anymore in our lives as we make the decision that we're not going to be bound by this anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. As the song says, the chains that used to bind us serve only to remind us. They drop powerless behind us when we praise him. So, Lord, we praise you right now that those chains, those bondages are broken. Go ahead and just lift your hands all over the building, if you would. And uh, if you believe that today, Lord, I believe these things. I want to, Lord, go forward. I want to go forward in the milk of your word that's sincere. I want to hunger for more of you, Lord God. Lord, not what the world, not what religion can offer, but a more a real relationship, a real power, a real experience, Lord God, a real joy, a real love that I would experience in your presence, Lord God. And I set aside anything that would stand in the way of that happening in my life, Lord God. No vice. No more. Thank you, Father God. And I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty and precious and holy name. And I thank you for it, Lord God, right now. And I thank you for it. Hmm. Let's keep our heads bowed for just a moment. This morning, if your life is not right with God... This is your opportunity here today to make it right with God. And uh, 
You know, God is not mad at you. In fact, God loves you so much that he died for you so that you could be in his family. See, we're adopted when we receive Christ. You know, the powerful thing about adoption is, is that you're, born, you're chosen by God. He chooses you. He chooses you. He chooses you. He doesn't reject you. He chooses you. And you say, well, does he know how bad I've been? Does he know what I've done? Does he know the things that I've gotten involved? He knows all that. Nothing catches him off guard. And yet he chooses you by his great love and his grace. And you know, this morning, I, I, I just, before we go, I, I feel compelled to just ask, look, if your life is not right with God and you'd like to make it right with God today, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you say, Pastor Jolliffe, that's me and my life is not right with God, then I know it's not. I just want you to, if you would, just, just lift up a hand to say, that's me. Just do that in the building, all over the building. You say, look, my life is not right with the Lord. Thank you. Is there anyone else here today? Say, that's me. I, I'm not right. My relationship with God is not right, but I want to make it right today. I want to make it right. Is there anyone else here join this one today that said, that's me? Amen. Well, look, if one raises their hand, that's, that's awesome. We're going to pray. And look, I want you to pray with them. Would you pray this out loud with me? Lord Jesus, I turn from sin and I turn to you. Thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins and now giving me new life. I come to you, Lord Jesus. No excuses. I need help. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your work of grace. And from this day forward, I dedicate myself. I surrender myself to serve and follow you. And I thank you, Lord, that you receive me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Amen.